It's Rockin' Vino. All right. Good afternoon and welcome to Rock and Vino. My name is Michelle and that is Coco. Hey, Coco. Hello. How's it going, Michelle? Well, I've been better. Yeah. As you can hear from my voice um, over the Thanksgiving holiday. I got a cold, which is no fun. And uh, so I'm dealing with this, which means I'm going to rely on you quite a bit. <laughs> Uh-oh. Dun-dun-dun. Uh, Dun-dun-dun for our <laughs> show. But that's all right um, because we're so excited for our guest today um, because we're going to talk about sustainability. We're going to talk about natural wines. We haven't had a lot of chances to talk about natural wine, which I think is fun. And then, of course, music always makes its way into the conversation as well. And a big thank you to American Ag Credit for being our sponsor for Rock and Vino. So our guest today is Jay Nunez. He is the founder and winemaker at No Love Lost Wine Co. And welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm, yeah. I'm excited. Thank you. So, Jay... Um, so tell us about No Love Lost. It's, uh, it's a tasting room in downtown Napa. How did how did this whole venture adventure for you begin? Yeah, it's an organization founded and driven by the idea of inclusivity, access to quality wines, and supporting people in the space that are doing things the right way. Leading by example, um, all of our vineyard sources are family-owned, systemic herbicide and pesticide-free. Mm. In the cellar, we're intervening with the wines minimally. Um, we're also providing a a value-driven product that normal people can buy, That's which nice. I think is the most important part. Yeah, and especially I would say in like downtown Napa, things can get a little pricey. So, I think that's really nice. And your your tasting room, uh, when did you guys open? Just a few months ago, right? Yeah, yeah, we were. Uh, our our opening day was September eighth. Uh, we had intended on opening quite a bit sooner, but mm-hmm. as with any new business um, in storefront um, in a small town, you know things tend to elongate and get complicated (laughs) although the city of napa was fantastic and i have no complaints with them or complaints at all it's just a process Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like any new construction or new ventures always take time so but good things come to those who wait you know (laughs) yeah um and your tasting room is a ton of fun you've done so many fun um events and whatnot your wines are fantastic um so tell us a little bit about the experience when people come to visit your tasting room what can they expect um, you guys have some fun, like unique things for people to enjoy, kind of break the ice. Uh, so what's going on in the tasting room? Yeah, um, we wanted it to feel cozy. There's enough fancy and bougie spots in Napa. So for us, the idea of having an extension of your living room, of your comfortable space was important when designing the space and building it out, which we did mostly ourselves. Um, the tasting room is built for locals and visitors alike. Um, we have buy the glass, buy the flight, buy the bottle with great local discounts. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned devices to carry alcohol. <laughs> uh, we do encourage porrons, which I think are really cool. It's a Spanish glass, almost looks like a vase yeah. that you fill with wine and you extend your arm and you let a lovely stream of juice enter your mouth and your being. And I think that that builds to me the most important part of wine, friendship, community, communion with the people that are visiting. And we want to keep it casual. We want to keep it fun. And I'm down to get as nerdy as you like. Yeah. Just fill your glass and have a good time. Yeah, I love that. So that uh, vessel, the Poron, that you use, is that um, culturally significant uh, to you? Or, or how did you pick that to, to 
um, have people have one way to enjoy your wine? That's a great question. So I'm Cuban-American, first gen uh, born in the States. And on my mom's side, they went back to Spain uh, post-onset of Castro in Cuba. And my grandfather was a traveler and a bringer of gifts. And he always, like, on his trips, would come home with all these amazing things. And he brought up what predates the Borron, the predecessor to it. It's a bag. Mm. And, like, the Spanish cowboys would carry them um, while they were riding horses. And you would squeeze the bag into your mouth. And it was made from... (laughs) a part of an animal I'm not sure so I don't want to be misquoted but that was my first introduction to it and during the holidays he would fill that with red wine and pass it around and I think that might have been even my first taste of wine sorry mom wow (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) so it is I guess it is significant and um it also builds community and breaks down barriers that we kind of create ourselves and it unifies it makes it a party and a good time yeah it's a ton of fun. Um, I did that with my boyfriend when we went over and visited. And uh, and it was, it, you know, like trying to get the wine in your mouth is is really hilarious in and of itself. <laughs> but, uh, but when people are able to do it, yeah, I mean, it's it's great. And it's not as hard as it looks, okay. you know. You just got to take it slow. Um, and so speaking of community, um, you know, you are in a very cool location where you are kind of, you share a hallway with... Um, Shackford's Kitchen, and they kind of like are a, they're a store. Like you can buy stuff for your house there, but they also have a demo kitchen and whatnot. So, and you guys just did a friendsgiving with them. How did that go? It was amazing. Um, shout out to Chef Patrick and Miss Alex, his wife. They're pillars of they're pillars of our community, and they do so much more than they'll ever tell you. And being neighbors and being adjacent, Uncle Pat, seeing him. <laughs> Just do his thing is incredible. Um, our Friendsgiving was awesome. When we thought about doing a Friendsgiving, we thought we could easily invite 15 of our friends and say, hey, how was work? And how's your girl or your boy? And how are the kids? But we kind of gave it a twist and we just did an Eventbrite and allowed people to sign up. And the first 15 people that signed up, we cooked food for. Chef and I cooked for them and I provided wine. And it was nice. It was people that I hadn't met, people that didn't have strong roots in the valley and people that really needed a hug and a warm place and a good vibe and uh, good times were had. Nice. That's awesome. And then are you guys also partnering with Shackford for your daily food offerings in the tasting room? What are you guys offering? I'm so glad that you mentioned it. Um, (laughs) I'm a passionate cook. I won't say I'm a chef, but I really love food and I think of wine as um, an integral part of every meal. So Chef has allowed me an opportunity to work out of his facility uh, to do basically a weekly sandwich offering. So Mm. we do a grilled cheese that we keep on the menu that will introduce either peppers that were pickled at home or seasonal produce. And then we do a meat sandwich and that changes each week. And it's not about making money. It's more about providing an amenity and spending some time with Uncle Pat over at Shackford's. So they're eight and 10 bucks and uh, they go really good with sparkling Riesling. Ooh, yummy. Love that. Um, so speaking of your wines, um, they're sustainable, natural. What kind of wines are you producing? Um, I feel like you guys have uh, more unique varietals than, than what you'll find everywhere else in the valley. Yeah. Um, no love lost, right? We're willing to uh, take a deep dive and search in places that other people don't think about and use grapes that you might not have heard of. and. Um, I find beauty in that, 
and it's an opportunity to better understand the space as a whole. And yes, we make slutty Napa cab, um, <laughs> but we also do things like Kunwa's and Carignan, pick pool. Um, these are things that for the nerds, they're really familiar with, but for the people that are coming in because they saw the Google ad, it becomes an informative experience. And through that gustatory informative experience, people also tend to learn about themselves, which mm -hmm. kind of circles back to that you know, building of community. Jake, can you tell us how you came across these kinds of wines? What, how did you get your wine knowledge and understand, you know, that these were the kinds of wines you wanted to make? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and what is this wine that you served us? So that was actually a home project. I do something called the mixtape each year. Oh, fun. Yeah. And it's... That's cool. Sorry, I'm so excited. I love mixtapes. They're like my favorite thing. <laughs> and that... With Shelly same and it was like oh this is never intended to be sold this is just something that you give from your heart and from your being the people that you care about and it's actually the first time I worked with Kunwa's so it's also a very special wine to me because I feel like with this grape with this site with these growers with this approach to the vinification of the wine I found my voice as a vintner and that's why when I was thinking about what I wanted to share and what I wanted to bring with me today it was like I want it to be personal. Nice. That's awesome. Well, it's delicious. And uh, tell us a little bit more about what a Kunwa is and where it comes from. It's uh, French for Kool-Aid. <laughs> and it means it's tasty. Mm -hmm. But no, it's uh, one of the 13 grapes um, that you can utilize in the Southern Rhone region of Chateauneuf de Pop. Okay. Uh, typically, they use Grenache Ramavad, GSM for the Aussies. Um, but there's a, a bunch of other really cool grapes that you're technically allowed to use but aren't typically used a lot even in Chateauneuf de Pop. So Kunwa's is about one and a half to two percent of the plantings in its home. So it's an esoteric grape. It's a grape that was brought to California in the 90s by um, the Tablas Creek Collective, the hmm. Vu Telegraph connection to CDP. They brought all 13 and it's a grape that's drought tolerant, heat resistant, doesn't over accumulate sugar, um, perfect for California and something that you're seeing planted quite a bit now. Um, and I think that it's cementing its place in wine culture as we speak. Every year, more and more people are tasting it and loving it. And it's a wine that provokes thought and emotion and makes you question, which I like. Nice. So where do you uh, source your grapes from for this? Uh, shout out Dave and Tally Claypool in Lodi, ah, okay, great. Uh, on the west side of Lodi. Uh, it's a small gentleman's vineyard. It was a old Zinfandel vineyard that they chopped the heads off and field grafted these uh, Kunwa cuttings in 2017. And that's the first year that it gave fruit. So nice. Wow. It's delicious. It's a really nice, nice and light, very approachable, nice and f nice fruit on it. It's a, it's, it's a good one. Thank, Thank you for sharing it. Thank you, guys. <laughs> I'll have to wait until I'm not sucking on lemon uh, mentholated cough drops <laughs> to try it because I don't think that that pairing is very good. Uh, we are talking with Jay Nunez. He is the founder and winemaker at No Love Lost Wine. You can find them at nolovelost.wine, which I think is a great uh, website, nolovelost.wine. And uh, we will be talking again about uh, music and how it informs what Jay does at his winery. We'll be right back. This is KSRO. 
At American Ag Credit, we know success in agriculture means making the most of every minute. Our convenient and secure digital banking tools put time back into your hands so you can be where you're needed most. From mobile check capture to automatic payments, electronic signature, and more, we offer safe and efficient solutions to keep your business running smoothly so you have more time for the moments that matter. For more information, visit agloan.com online. American Ag Credit. Your future grows here. It's Rock and Vino. All right. To Rock and Vino here on KSRO. It's brought to you by American Ag Credit. I am Michelle Coco, is our co-host, and uh, we are talking with Jay Nunez. He is the founder and winemaker at No Love Lost Wine. You can find them online at NoLoveLost.wine. And Jay, where is your tasting room in um, in Napa? Nine sixty Clinton Street. It's two blocks north of Maine, and it's a very local centric part of downtown Napa. And I love that about it. Right on. Yeah, a good gathering spot. I like that. It is. It's a great little spot. And it's, you know, it's uh, a little off the beaten path, but it's still, like, close enough to walk, and, and it's it's just a really awesome little spot. There's a great restaurant across the street. There's there's a few of them, I mean. Yeah. And the beauty of Napa is everything's independently owned. So you have the owner-operators there every day, just like I, you know, and it is two blocks north of of first in Maine, but it's a world apart, which I really like. Yeah. It's an awesome little spot for sure. Yeah. That's bad. And so I see you're you're getting ready to open up some wine for us. Let's hear that pop. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) And uh, what is this delicious wine that you'll be sharing with us? Yeah, Kunwa's. We talked about it, so I wanted to bring it for us to experience together. Oh. Um, Vinified carbonically, so instead of breaking the grapes down... The grapes ferment from the inside out as whole berries and clusters. Oh, wow. Sits on the skins for about a month. The grapes are then foot tread. I like a la Olive Lucy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, allowed to finish fermentation in barrel. So I think that um, this style of wine um, is where I really found my footing and my voice as a vintner. And uh, it's something that we call a chillable red. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can serve it chilled mm. or cellar temp. And it's very flexible and it's it to me it builds a bridge from white to red wine styles and really brings people together with that the color of it is absolutely gorgeous yeah it's such a like salmony kind of salmony like it's beautiful it looks like like it reminds me of like fire like you know like orangey reds Uh like kind of it's a really cool color a guest the other day said this is the color of the sunset Oh, oh, that's yeah. a better way to say it. Is it. A that color. is a better yeah. way. And fire, sunset, yeah, that's yeah. good. No, that works together. It's I very, love that. very beautiful. It's very romantic. I liked it. Yeah. That's so, what very kind of cool. notes would you say um, that you're smelling and tasting with this wine? So, typically, I would never want to confine someone's own personal experience by telling them what I experienced. But for me, um, this is interesting. It goes away from fruity and really embodies these savory components um, toffee, caramel. Mm. Um, when you make a nice cocktail and you kind of express a citrus peel, I think there's a little bit of that hiding in there. And then strawberry and rhubarb would be very classic notes for Kunwas, which I think um, in this vintage, the 2021, it's actually starting to taste more like a pastry or a pie made from those things versus the fresh fruit. 
Dude, a strawberry rhubarb is my very favorite kind of pie. Oh, yeah. Like it's blackberry so good. and then strawberry rhubarb was like at the very, very top. Absolutely. So, okay. Well, then maybe you have to, with your um, next door chef, maybe get them to make some little hand pies or something. I mean, I know they're not in season, but. Right? <laughs> uh, Patrick, Chef Patrick has a lovely baker named Peter who, for better or worse, makes all the baked goods. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I love That's that. Great. And what is this? delicious wine retail for uh 40 bucks and okay. um, we build in discounts for locals and for industry people so uh, the rest of the valley's leaning and moving towards like a, let's get more expensive and we're actually developing a whole line of wines with the intention to retail them in the teens tastes like 100 bucks cost 17 yeah yeah i mean you're you're the wines that you offer, the prices are really fantastic and approachable. And so people can come to the tasting room and purchase. Can they also purchase online and get the, the wine mailed to them? Yep. We can ship to 15 states. Alcohol compliance is tricky and I'm an artist. Mm -hmm. So that's not my field of expertise. So um, uh, compliance agency, please butt in. And if I'm mistaken, the 15 states. <laughs> and then Jay, so you... Um, as you said, you're um, Cuban-American, born in California, but then raised in Florida. Yeah. Is that right? You're good. And um, so you had some experience in the music industry for about 10 years. What did you do? Um, yeah, I'm an audio engineer by trait, so I played in bands. I did sound for bands. I built stages. Oh, wow. I did artist transport. I lived in a van a lot. <laughs> it was fun, um, and I really loved it. And in another life, it was exactly who I was. Yeah. And do you find any similarities to the world, the music industry world versus the wine industry world? Yeah, I think the beauty of not just music or wine, but any art is that you can extract these grander life metaphors from it and that it inspires you to revisit sentimental moments in your life and I think that's also the, the tall tale sign of good art is it pulls these things out of you so there's so many parallels and I'm a feeling and intuition intuition based person and that's how I make wine and that's how I make music and that's how I make friends and they're all connected and intertwined beautifully mm -hmm. I love that do you find that um, a particular wine is like a song or something like that like like a moment that was Captured. Captured, yeah. Or a time that you're sort of like the all the influences come together to make that wine or all the different things that you're thinking about at the time make a song. That's sort of yeah. idea. Yeah. No, that's a home run. And I think it's our confluence of being that creates art and nature's confluence of being that makes wine. Ah, wow. That's really cool. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. I love it. Um, when you are making wine... Uh, do you have any, do you have like a soundtrack that you listen to kind of, I'm sure it changes every time, but what typically do you, do you find yourself kind of gravitating to when you're, when you're making wine and getting in that space? Firstly, I listen to the earth and yeah. I try to shut out my peers mm -hmm. because I'm not afraid to take chances and run the risk of calamity for the opportunity to make something memorable. But I think that the soundtrack to each vintage has been unique and reflective of where I am and who I am at that time. I love that. Are there any particular artists that you like to listen to while you're making wine? Um, 
on the spotted me. <laughs> it's funny because you asked some questions for the for the show yeah. that made me revisit old things. Yeah. Um, so I hadn't been as immersed in what I'm listening to currently, um, but Tyler Childers, uh-huh. yeah. I think, has really spoken to me in the last year. Um, the Growlers, like, drunken pirate vibe is something that I always kind of <laughs> gravitate towards. And um, I'm a blues guitarist at heart and a, a huge soul listener. So, like, Sam Cooke has been on quite mm. a bit lately. Mm-hmm. Curtis Mayfield. Because it's, like, uplifting but real and... Um, I spend a lot of time in like a dark emotive space. So uh, lately I try to listen to things that uplift okay. and, and make me focus on the positive. Cool. Do you play music in your tasting room? Yeah. What's on rotation there? Um, everything from Nas and Outkast to Bob Dylan. I mean, again, it's reflective of the energy that people bring in. Do you let, do you take requests from people always. or always? And do you guys have a like a record player or is it just like the sound system? Like what how how do people play or how do you play music in your tasting room? We're cheating, we stream. That's okay. Don't tell the company. You know, it's the way. It's the way to do it. But it took like five stereos to find the right one and the right system and that was something that I I, I think I spent too much time on, so <laughs> Yeah, but you're a sound guy, so that makes sense, yeah. right? <laughs> and it really does make a difference, you know, the um, the quality of the sound that's, you know, penetrating essentially through your to your guests and to you and everybody. It really, like, a lot of people think, oh, it's just whatever. But when you, when you have that quality there, it absolutely affects the experience. Fully. Wine tastes better with a nice view and good people, good company. And music sounds better when it sounds good. Yeah. yeah, well, think about it. I mean, people are going to, who are in the tasting room, are vibing to the music. And if it sounds crappy, right, how are they going to be having a good experience? So it does need to sound good. I mean, yeah. that, that's a big thing. Yeah. Um, do you have any fun upcoming? I mean, I know it's the holidays and everything. Do you have any fun upcoming events or things going on that you'd like to promote uh, on the air and let people know about? We've grown really quickly. Yeah. And we're taking the end of the year to turn the lens introspectively and focus on building a better version of ourselves and the organization for the next year. The Tasty Room is open six days a week. Um, we will do a pop-up at Shackford's in December, um, centered around an ethnic cuisine and a specific varietal. Um, mm. So just check in, sign up for our newsletter, and that news goes out fast. The merch drops are coming, Ooh. which sell out quick, um, and so do the pop-ups. So just you know, put an ear to it, and um, the news will come soon. And we can follow you online as well. I mean, you ha- do you have social? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. No love lost. Dot wine. Okay. Is where you can find everything. Okay, and that's the website, so it makes it very easy. Yep. All right. Well, this has been so much fun. We really enjoyed having you come in. Thank you for sharing the wines. I'm gonna have to come over to your tasting Please. room so I once my palate has cleansed <laughs> itself uh, and then healed itself. I'll come over and try your wines and listen to some great tunes and uh, have fun hanging out. I mean, I really appreciate that you've uh, put so much effort into the thought of, you know, what's enjoyable for you, what's the vibe for everybody else. I think that really makes a welcoming experience for everybody. So thank you so much for coming in. I'm grateful for you guys and for the opportunity. And I just want to say with love and light from Napa. Right on. All right. Well, we will not end this conversation. If you want to hear more, head to rockandvino.com, R-O-C-K. 
nvino.com and hear more podcasts. We'll see you next time. This is KSRO. It's Rockin' Vino. All right. And welcome back to the podcast portion of Rockin' Vino with our guest, Jay Nunez. He is the founder and winemaker at No Love Lost Wine. And we are drinking more of this sunset-hued wine. Uh, oh, delicious. Filling up our glasses. Uh, and Jay, uh, can you tell us again the name of the wine? And uh, we didn't even talk about the label. It's so beautiful. Yeah, the the, the wine is uh, made from a grape called Kunwaz. Um Rare grape, even in its home, uh, which is chateauneuf de pop in the southern Rhone region of France. But something that's really finding a home traction and footing here in California. Uh, when I thought about that um, for the label, the labels, we do a unique label for each wine, which Thanks. can be really daunting. Yeah, honestly. right. <laughs> but um, they're reflective of what I'm listening to, the vineyards, what I'm reading. And uh, for whatever reason, I went back to, like, primary school days and was on a Steinbeck kick, and mm. he has a short story called Chrysanthemums. Mm-hmm. And um, it's considered by some to be one of the first moments in American literary history where they empowered a woman to be more than a housekeeper or, like, a gardener. And I'll save the story. It's really short. You guys should read it. Um, but um, it was inspired by it um, with the idea of empowering us to pursue that which other people find impossible. Huh. Wow. That's great. I'm going to definitely look that up. It's funny. I Chrysanthemums is like one of my favorite words. But it's weird why it's one of my favorite words. Because when I was a kid, I would get in trouble in school. And they would force me to write chrysanthemum like a hundred times. <laughs> so then I, I, can, I know that word. So I, that I like word it. specifically? See, I got in trouble yes. in math class for mouth and off. <laughs> and I had to write like, you know, I will not blah, 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 you know. Yeah, you know, you know, interrupt Mr. Conant or whatever yeah. like that a hundred times. Yeah. But yeah. you had chrysanthemum. Chrysanthemum. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, cool. And there's so many parallels, too. I mean, the story as the bulk of Steinmeck's work was based in the Central Valley, where the grapes come from. Uh, right by where the grapes grow, there's a chrysanthemum patch that they sell commercially. So it was just like uh, a snapshot a page of the diary of that time in that moment and yeah. I think that's really what wine is it's lightning in a bottle it's a moment that you share yeah yeah oh wow so cool and who is the artist who does this yeah um, I conceptualize everything with uh, a good friend of mine Charles and then uh, we'll pass things on to more capable hands in this case it was an illustrator out of Poland named Sophie wow how do you find your illustrators I trust the process and my designer cool and good. Uh, everything's inspired by, um, again, what we're talking about. And um, I give complete creative liberty and control to the person who we bring on to the project. And sometimes I don't like the art for like two weeks and then it connects with me and I'm like, okay, cool, I get it. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. That's so interesting that you wouldn't like something but then give it a chance to sort of marinate a little bit, right? Oftentimes we're the most averse to that which will move and change us Hmm. because change is not easy. You're yeah. a philosopher, dude. I really like it. <laughs> I'm not at all. I'm a fool. I feel like that's the way, too, with a lot of art. Or, like, I mean, or even with songs and music, you know, like, I think um, it's really unfortunate that 
I mean, streaming services are great, don't get me wrong, but I think that listening to an album from front to back and being forced to because you're mm-hmm. listening to a CD or a tape or a record mm-hmm. and like you're you like you're not just going to skip over that song cuz it's not as easy at least not in that format. And so a lot of times, you know, you'd listen to an album and you'd skip over a song or you'd be like, ah, oh, I gotta listen to this song. And then eventually, like, that song becomes your favorite song. Right? You know, over time, you're like, oh my God, like, how did I not get this? I know. You know, that's that's so amazing that you have that approach to to your um, to your artists for your labels that are representing, you know, representing your wines. I think I'm as well an album person, but I, th- I, I believe that that's reflective of the time in which we grew up. Hundred um, percent. I also force myself into discomfort and a progressive perspective, and try to better understand what it means to be born in the last fifteen or thirteen or twenty years, and um, what an album meant to us is the same as what a two-minute stream song means to the youth now. Mm-hmm. And I, I think empathy and education help with everything in life. So I try to understand what my moment was with an album might just be this two minute song or this TikTok to someone. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's it's about progressing and accepting and knowing sometimes you have no idea what the hell's going on. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Although, you know what? I don't know. Maybe it's my get off my lawn kind of persona that is popping out right now. Like, But there's <laughs> value in that, right? There's value in taking the time to listen to you more from an artist, even if it's not necessarily in that album order, although it takes a lot. I mean, you spend a lot of time as an artist deciding which song is going to be the first one on because it gives the tone for the whole thing. How is the story going to progress? How do I want people's emotions to go from song to song in this whole thing? And just, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah. Yes, there is value in just picking that one song and maybe playing it over and over again because we all do that, right? To soothe ourselves and to have that moment of like, yes, this is my jam right now. I just want to hear it a bunch of times. And you listen to it 10, 15, 20 times in a row and you're like, yeah, okay, now I've got it. <laughs> got that vibe going. But there is something in that story and there's value in going back and listening to a way an artist has put things together. Agreed completely. And I'm from, I'm cut from the, cl- the same cloth that you are, yeah. but as long as people are consuming appreciating yeah and being shaped by art yes i will embrace and accept it sure yeah i mean i feel like attention spans are so much shorter these days too so it's like if you can even get their attention for that three minutes or two minutes you know um that resonates and that'll you know that will like us an album is representative of a time in our life i feel like that song or that you know lyric or whatever you know yeah. that 30 that you know two minute tiktok will it sounds ridiculous to us now i mean a little right. bit but no, but then but then i mean we also put together playlists right like mm-hmm. we do that all the time so mm-hmm. that's like your mixtape right your mixtape um uh wine that we had earlier in in the show um and that is something that is your own expression right you're taking the songs that you really like you put it together in a playlist not necessarily a physical mi- mixtape or a cd but like that is another way of creating your own stories with these things too, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. That's art. It is. It's, yeah. it's a reflection of where we are, who we are, and the medium of 
really is irrelevant. It's the feeling and the sentiment behind it that matters. Cool. All right, so then that leads us right into a question that we asked you in advance because it's such a hard <laughs> question for anybody to it answer. It is, it is. So you're stuck on a deserted island for the rest of your life and you can bring three albums with you. What are your three desert island discs? So I put a lot of thought into this and I've changed the answer like 30 times. <laughs> and originally I took in context the question and was like what would I what would make me hopeful and less hungry and ah, yeah. see a mirage of a plane coming to rescue me and then I was like fuck that <laughs> like who am I um, and what made me what are the pillars which carry my character and being into the current um, and I might switch the answer after just saying that again but um, it's a tough question John Frusciante is my favorite artist ever. oh right on and um, the Chili Peppers and my life have been intertwined in a way that is maybe a subconscious obsession or I've walked away from listening and revisited. I've seen them 15 times live. Oh, cool. Um, Stadium Arcadium came out the month I graduated high school. And there's moments that, I mean, we were in the car cannon and I cried. I hadn't heard a song in a while, and I was like, wow. Um, but uh, I, my brand is called No Love Loss, and the, the month I came out with my first wine, Unlimited Love came out. Hmm. So there's these parallels and these subconscious connections to that band and that specific guitarist that have informed me as a guitarist, yes, but more importantly as a human. And I think it's a double album. I'm attracted to these lengthy... All right works of art that were curated and that take you on these journeys. So I was like, when you said that shit, I was like, dude, 100%. <laughs> but I also don't want to be like, oh, kids, this two-minute song is nothing. Like, yeah, I, I, want, right. I want them to be like, this is art. And <laughs> then maybe they spend two hours and and listen to what we love. Yeah. But um, that double album, Mars and Jupiter, I think is huge to me. And it helps shape and mold me into who I am. Um, two more I have like six floating around in my mind. Yeah. I literally have like six. Um, I have notes too. Should I look at them? Yeah. Yeah, go oh, ahead. please. Oh, this is embarrassing. Well, I'm torn, right? Because I'm a huge hip hop head. Um, but I'm really respective of the classics. So I've kind of been going back and forth between a couple things. Um, and I wanted it to be uplifting, but Nine Inch Nails the Fragile. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then when I thought about Desert Island and The Great Below and La Mer, and it's like staring into this um, abyss of disdain and darkness and thinking that you can never be saved, those sentiments always precede salvation. Because as they say, it's always darkest before it's light. Yeah. Or before the dawn. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was afraid to say those things because I didn't want to be perceived as like an emo kid or like I have some like <laughs> deep-seated issues. But but this is you. You're alone on the island. No one's judging you. You do what you do. And there's nothing wrong with being an emo kid either. Yeah, there's nothing wrong <laughs> with that. So yeah, I'll, I'll put that in there and then I'll tell you the three and then I'll pick one. Okay. Uh, the Beatles, Abbey Road. Uh-huh. Outcast Aquemini, okay, mm -hmm. and Santana Abraxas. Wow, okay, yeah, those are tough to decide. Yeah, um, yeah, very different. I think Paul McCartney and John Lennon, 
Apex, that was their opus. The last five songs that are one song right. informed everything in pop, rock, culture, post that. Mm -hmm. But Santana did that for me. And Samba Pati, like that song alone, like I would pick it on the strength of that song. I just literally listen to that song a million times over. And when you hear me play guitar, like that's the DNA that I came from. Mm -hmm. um, and then Outkast, Thank You, Rosa Parks, the person and the song for changing my perspective and opening my eyes and heart to something that I had completely ignored for so long. Um, without that song and that album, I, I would have just looked at hip hop as a joke. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 20 years ago when it found me with slide guitar and live drums and a breakdown, and I'm like, this sounds bluesy. There's a band there. What is this rap stuff? Yeah. It's really cool. And um, so, yeah, I guess those are the, the as, at least now in this introspective s state of contemplation, what really formed me as a adult. That's cool. Very, I mean, very eclectic and, and fun. Yeah. You know? I think that's awesome. But it's such a hard, it's such a hard question and to answer. And we whipped out Coco because neither have. of us have answered this question. <laughs> it's a tough no, one. we yeah. haven't. Yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> one day, one day we'll have to force we'll ourselves. We'll have to, yeah. Uh, Cannon, how about you? Um, well, Jay and I have talked about this for like the past week. But um, I think for me it's, uh, I, well, we were talking about wine and music having sort of like a similar vis visceral experience for people. And yeah. I connect music with memories. And I think as I've become, you know, as I've been in the wine industry for a few years now, like, I think want certain glasses of wine will hold memories for uh, people, too. So, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, for me, music is really nostalgic. And I'd probably have to say um, the Beach Boys, because it's what I grew up listening to in the garage with my dad. Yeah. Like the Beach Boys is my childhood. So I'd probably cop out and do Beach Boys greatest hits. Because it will just encompass, Perfect. you know, all of the greats. Yeah. And then um, I am a huge ABBA fan. Nice. So I, I love go it. like ABBA gold. Love and, it. and I, I was a dancer in a former life, so like anything I can dance to sure. is is what I got to go with. So yeah, I could listen to ABBA all the time. And then um, for for being stranded on an island, like to have something a little bit more, I guess, attuned with like nature and maybe even spirituality, I would go Bon Iver. Because oh, nice. I feel like I would need, you know, Beach Boys and ABBA would be very much like happy, poppy dance music. And I think I'd need something to mellow out to. Sure. So nice. Those, I love those that. would be my picks. Okay. Uh, very good. Very good picks. And uh, if you're wondering who that was, that is Kenneth Thomas. And uh, she is a girlfriend of Jay. And thank you for coming in and <laughs> being supportive of yeah. Jay and helping him have fun here on Thanks the air Thanks for having us. me. I'm so proud of everything he's doing. So yeah. just happy to be here. Thanks. Right yeah. on. Right on. Thank, thank you for you. coming. <laughs> Good support system. All right, Coco, more of our music questions. Yeah, okay. So one of my favorite questions to ask is, on a good day, what are you eating, drinking, and listening to? I prepared something, which I'm like, should I even go back to it? Like, <laughs> meh. Is Different? Gonna, you going to change it? it? No, change I'm it much more us? eloquent when I write than when I speak. Oh. <laughs> so I see that. I was like, I can't even recite that. <laughs> um, I like acid-driven white wines. Uh-huh. Chillable reds. I like to know that there's a story behind it. Um, I'll have a cocktail if the venue is correct. Mm -hmm. Kind of picky with that. But honestly, I don't really care as long as the company's good and the vibe is right. Yeah. But... If we only p 
picked everything, we would never grow. Sometimes it's what other people curate that become your favorites, and that's what I want. I want to be guided into new experience and um, opportunities to make memories. That's cool. You don't have any comfort go-tos that are in your back pocket? Anything my mama cooks. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. good. Um, for drinks, I used to be a big cocktail guy, and now I can't even remember anything I liked. Yeah. <laughs> so in the wine space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, grapes, I really like light body Grenache and Riesling. Riesling, if I could, if I had to pick one grape for the rest of my life, it would be Riesling. Nice. Okay. In, in all its shapes, forms, and misgivings. And what would you typically pair with a Riesling that is delicious that your mama would make? <laughs> oh, big mama. <laughs> Um, what would she do with that? There's there's a Cuban dish that's basically like breaded steak. It's called bisem panisau, mm. and they'll uh, flatten out a cut of beef, kind of like pork schnitzel. Oh yeah. And then they'll do like fried onions on top. Ooh yeah. And like a bonho sauce, uh, and on top of white rice with black beans. That sounds delightful. The reasoning would be, and anything spicy for me because I like it hot. Right, so. and a reasoning is perfect with spicy foods. Yeah, right on. Exactly. Ooh, yum. Mm. And you could do late Rieslings, too. Like That's a good grape to pick because it is pretty versatile, isn't it? It is. You can do it sparkling. Uh-huh. You can leave some residual oh. sugar. You can do a laser beam of sunshine driven by acid. So um, to me, the only grape that's more malleable than Riesling is Chardonnay, and that was my second pick. Okay. Right I on. love it. Okay. Um, what are your top three concerts that you've ever attended and why? Fuck. <laughs> I also thought about this and I weirdly I took the same approach like what was the most memorable because like a lot of people just be like oh the first concert I went to but like was that oh. cool because it was the first one or was it that cool or was it actually amazing yeah that I have a list for with dates nice I love it uh, Tool Lateralis Tour 2002 mm-hmm. Daytona Beach Ocean Center. Mm-hmm. My brother had just turned 16, so I was 12. Uh, we drove his Ford Ranger, Betsy, <laughs> from Orlando to Daytona. We might have smoked a joint, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. And when we arrived at the venue, it's an out-of-date venue, but it's character-rich, and they had these orbs that were floating pneumatically and uh, Maynard, the lead singer, mm-hmm. stops the show a few songs in and was like, I just want you guys to know that it's a very special show for me because my father's sitting in the audience. Oh, wow. And he played songs that, you know, 20 years later I realized they don't really play or were special, but at the time, and why I picked it was it unlocked a, a side of me, uh, a depth that I had not found as a young person yet and provoked thought and I was left perplexed for weeks and I thought about it and re-listened to the album over and over <laughs> and it's a good album to listen to because the sacred geometric mm-hmm. in inspiration and like the way that they form the whole it's an album it's not a song right tying back to what we talked about yeah and it's a it's a a piece of work that I can still go back to and be like, whoa, what is this? Uh, cool. Um, the next one. 
Have you ever seen Tool Live? I have never. Oh, no. I'm not. Yeah. You should. All right. It's. It's an experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Their laser show is amazing. And huh. Yeah. And sonically speaking, it's some of the best live sound I've ever heard. Oh, cool. Good. Good to hear. Um, do I listen to Tool a lot now? No. But it informed who this person is and what I'm listening to. And sometimes I feel like a tool when I mention it, but that's part of it. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like, I went, uh, the Kiss concert. Were you there? No. At Kronoktai? With the Kiss or was concert? it with Katie? Yeah. Probably Katie, not me. Oh, my God. No, that was it Katie. Was, it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a ridiculous show. And, like, I don't remember a lot of it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder Wait, why. Well, Kronoktai 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 but like I don't listen to Kiss that much. Uh, I listen to them occasionally. But that was such a memorable and fun experience, and really like just so great. Mm-hmm. Even if even though I don't remember a lot of it, it was so much fun. Yeah. And I think that those moments and those the the things that you take away from a concert are not necessarily something that was just tied to music even exactly. um so like there's so much exactly. right it's the experience of what it was that yeah. it that makes the difference right yeah and exactly um next one 2005 october 25th nine inch nails with teeth tour um i grew up in orlando there was this old stadium that they built when the magic the basketball team came to town which i actually uh showed up early to watch them demolish years later oh, wow. <laughs> but it was it was a time in my life where so I was 17 uh, all of my best friends my brothers non-surrogate brothers were at that show and um, it was such it was the apex of young masculinity in a healthy way nothing went wrong there was no bad vibes we like healthily moshed and had a great time and yeah. released all this pent up aggression and it was the first time I realized that I'm growing past some of these styles of music but it was such a like Trent Reznor for me as a producer when I was still in that space he is if you listen like to anything I do it's directly related to him and that era and it was one of those moments like you said that it was more about the concert. Also, Queens of the Stone Age opened. Nice, mm, nice. Awesome. And they, they, that lineup um, is one of my favorites, so it was a, a great show. Very cool. Do I love I it. Okay. One Num- more? Number three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Carlos Santana. UCF, Arena, University of Central Florida Arena. I went with my parents. Mm. And we, like, danced. And that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's amazing. It was a nice memory. That's lovely. Oh I know goodness. he's very cool. Did yeah. you um did you see that Carlos played like his wife was playing at the Blue Note like a few months ago and then he like surprised like, he jumped on did stage. a surprise yeah. appearance. I know. I was so sad that I missed it. I went to a friend's house that day and I was really wanted to cancel. And then they had a visitor that I wasn't too fond of, and I was like, I should have went to the show. You should have gone. <laughs> Intuition. I know. I know. Okay. But you know. One day, I, I, I mean, Carlos is amazing. He's, um, my mom actually went to high school with Chapito, like one of the guys in his band, along, you know, when they were cool. in San Francisco. And then um, I used to work at the Regency Ballroom in the city. And, um, fuck, who was playing? Um, 
It was a blues guy playing. He's amazing. Uh, the Trucks, Derek Trucks. Derek Trucks. Oh, Derek Trucks was playing. I love Derek Trucks. And yeah. he was playing, and they had a surprise appearance, and it was Santana. And so he was up on stage and really fun, and we had a little moment together. And I was like, oh my god, I'm like, what do I do in this situation? And I just uh. geeked out and like scurried off because I was nervous. But <laughs> his, it was cool. his story to me too is being first gen Cuban American. Mm-hmm. I say it that way for a reason. I have one foot in two cultures. I'm not enough of either ever, or I'm too much of one mm-hmm. at any time. And he was the first person of Latin descent to kind of transcend that. And it was like, no one gives a fuck about mm-hmm. w- what he is. It's what he's doing. Yeah. Or what they're doing that matters. And it was so empowering to know that this is... And, like, the Supernatural covers album and stuff like that came out when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. um, my dad gave me his vinyl collection, which is what predates that and what actually had me listening to this. Like, I was playing Santana songs, like, at guitar lesson recitals in middle school. And, oh, wow. Um, I was so proud of what he was able to accomplish because I know what it must have felt like because I went through the same thing of, like, I think I'm white because I'm from Florida. But, like... <laughs> my family speaks a different language yeah, and like my right. friends look a little different and um, I'm happy that culturally and societally speaking we're breaking down some of that now. It's so important it's absolutely vitally important to start to see people in the artistic world who look like you, who come from the same backgrounds as you because that expression is so important. It, I mean it makes up who we are as a country but all those voices have to be represented. It can't just be a monoculture, right? So, Preach. very important. Like it. Yeah. All right, sweet. This has been so much fun, and I'm so sad that I haven't <laughs> had a chance to taste any of your wines. But, Jade, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story. And we are so excited for your business to grow and blossom and be a great cornerstone in Napa. I appreciate y'all. Much love, and um, you have a home anywhere I am. So, if you're in downtown Napa, please visit. I'm going to come thank and you. visit Coco soon, and then I'll come yes. over. <laughs> We're going to go. And Kenna, thank you for coming in and thank being you. so great and supportive and having fun with us. It's been awesome. Thank you. Right on. <laughs> All right. You can find Jay at No Love Lost Wine Co. Online at nolovelost.wine, nolovelost.wine. That's also socials. And uh, check out his sustainable and natural wines. Listen to uh, other podcasts online at rockandvino.com, R-O-C-K-N-V-I-N-O. And we'll see you next time. Bless. Thanks for listening to Rock and Vino. Check out more great content online at rockandvino.com.